This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome back to the Football Insomniac Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Mott, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Bower, Clyde One, and Dunfermline Athletics, Stephen Mill. It's a voice you've probably heard, but it's time to put a picture to that voice. Stephen, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, Colin. Thanks for having me on. Sorry to disappoint you with the faves and the voice not being uh, up to scratch, but I guess that's that's just the perks of working in radio. You can look like this and you can still get a job. That's totally fine. <laughs> You're an inspiration to all of us, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we've got to come on here and show our faces, but yeah, um, I would love to hide behind the, the mask of the radio. Uh, but yeah, we will be discussing a lot to do with the international football. We're into this international break just now. Three games coming up in the space of a week. It's a lot of football to 
um, for everyone to try and catch up on. Not as if there's not enough football going on at the minute. We're now fitting into the international games. We'll also be taking a look at the television deal for the Women's uh, Football League down south. £7 million a year for the next three years. Is that a better deal than what Scotland gets? Um, the Dream Dinner Party will make its return and also Stephen will be giving us an insight into his career in journalism and his new show with you and Cameron, someone that he took great pleasure in winding up this morning as we touched on one of our first topics, which was the biggest shock in Scottish Cup history. It's going down as Brora Rangers 2, Hearts 1. What was your first reaction when you saw that result coming through last night? Brilliant, loved it. Um, loved stuff like that. And the fact that it winds up Ewan Cameron is obviously an added bonus. But like just to start with, you know, Broda um, are not a bad side. And, you know, had the playoffs gone on last year, the, the pyramid playoffs, they would have played Kelty Hearts, um, who won the Lowland League uh, last season or were leading the Lowland League last season. Um, and, you know, that would have been a tough match between the two of them and whoever would have won would have got promoted. They would have beaten Brechin or Albion Rovers, whoever it was that finished bottom uh, of League Two. So Broda are a decent outfit. Uh, in saying that, there is no way that Hearts should be getting beat by Broda Rangers. I mean, the money that Hearts are spending, um, obviously, you know, they didn't have Craig Gordon last night because he's on international duty, but the fact that, you know, a championship side have got international players says it all. And yeah. I think, you know, uh, absolutely amazing result for Broda. And, you know, they've got a, you've got a decent chance of getting through the next round because I think they play Stranraer next. And okay. Stranraer are a decent side for that level, but there's no reason why Broda... Um, you can't go on and beat Stranraer in the next round, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the uh, in the quarterfinals. So I mean that that's that, that's wild. It's just brilliant, and the fact that you and Cameron's greeting is, is even better. <laughs> and he's not even got his late night chat show to bring it up. Um, with, which <laughs> takes great pleasure. Do to... watch that anyway. So. <laughs> um, but I mean, as a Dunfermline fan, you've seen this season um, what Hearts have done in the Championship. They're absolutely running away with it. Um, so a result like that. Is that really the biggest cup upset in Scottish football history? I think so, yeah, because, you know, I was reading last night that Hearts haven't lost a competitive game to a non-league side since 1900. Um, so, like, it's just, it's an absolutely terrible result for Hearts. And, you know, you say that Hearts are running away with the championship. Yes, they are. Um, but I think that probably says more about the rest of the championship, uh, more than Hearts, to be honest with you. Hearts are all right um, for a championship team. Um, but, you know, the standard this season is not good. And, you know, Dundee have spent a lot of money this season. Uh, you've got guys like Jason Cummings. Charlie Adams is in there as well, and uh, you know, like I, uh, the other team, like and, and my own team, Dunfermline, obviously not big spenders, but I, I feel that it's a bit of an opportunity missed um, to try and put a wee bit more pressure on Hearts because you know they haven't been very good, but unfortunately, the rest of the championship have been even worse. I mean, you take a look at that championship; it's always one of the most fiercely contested leagues. I think between. Is it ninth and second? There's only about eight points in it. Um, yeah. And being a green-up boy, I see Morton's fortunes this season. And Morton's probably a sole topic as well because Dunfermline got knocked out by Morton last night. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't watch the match, but, you know, my mates were on the group chat and they were just saying, this is one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my life. Um, 
So I got put out on penalties. You know, it's been disappointing since uh, Crawford's come in. Um, our, our cup, uh, our cup success has been terrible in the Scottish Cup. League Cup's been decent, but Scottish Cup uh, first year we got put out by Wraith Rovers, who were the league below us. We got put out by Stranraer last year, who were a league below us, and hadn't won a game all season as well. Um, and then we got put out by uh, Morton last night. Now, obviously, there's there's no massive shame in getting put out by Morton because they're in the same league as us and yep. the championship is really tight everyone can be everyone so I think um, you know it's just disappointing because you know as a, as a fan of a, a Diddy team it's good to get a cup run now and again because you know it's, it's our only chance of getting to Hamden so um, yeah just a really disappointing to the result last night but I guess we can try and concentrate on getting into those playoffs and hopefully getting promoted yeah, and as you say, I mean, it is the dream to get that sort of Scottish Cup run. Um, you don't see it that often with the teams that are below the Premiership. Um, I do remember Morton made the semi-final of the, the League Cup a couple of years ago, um, and it felt as if the town just emptied. Everyone just made their way to Hamden, and that's part of the joy of a, a smaller team getting there is you get the whole community spirit. You saw it there with the, the League Cup final just a couple of weeks ago, St Johnston versus Livingston. It was as if the whole towns were getting so involved in it. And that's that's part of the joy of cup football. It's a 90-minute game. Anything can happen. And in this case, Barora can beat Hearts. It's incredible. And I tell you what, for anyone that looks forward to a full dissection of this, the guys on the Play On podcast on the State of Mind are all big Hearts fans. That's on on Monday night. Make sure you tune in and see what they've got to say about that one. Um, I'm sure they'll have some few choice words uh, to be said on that. But yeah, so I, th- I agree with you. Um, and as a Celtic fan, I'm absolutely delighted that Hearts have came and taken the title away for the biggest cup upset in Scottish football history. <laughs> Is that a Clyde one, yeah? Uh, Clyde or Inverness, take your pick. <laughs> Aye, I suppose, yeah. I think Clyde, Clyde one is probably worse. We'll go with Clyde. Um, before we move on to the next topic, I just want to take this uh, opportunity just to put a kind of serious point across here. Um, everyone in football was absolutely horrified to see the scenes that happened last Thursday night. Sorry, apologies. I'm suffering with a bit of a cold today. Um in the Europa League game at Ibrox, the alleged, and you have to say alleged here because there's still a lot of investigation ongoing, um, racist abuse that Glenn Kamara received on the park last week was completely abhorrent. There is no place in football for that. Scotland as a country has experienced not just racism, sectarianism um, and all different forms of kind of segregation over the years and I think as a country we do try our best to eradicate this from society um, and when things like this flared up what was great to see was it was a united approach from all teams, all teams had the backing of Glen Kamara um, and you saw it even more so with the, the Celtic Rangers game at the weekend, Scott Brown approaching them um, and Celtic showing their solidarity Stephen, it's something that we have to eradicate from the Scottish game because how can we go on to promote it on an international stage when incidents like this are still happening? Yeah, totally agree with what you said there. And yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that you see it more with social media now, unfortunately. Um, You see people who, uh, you know, 
are anonymous and therefore think they can say what they want and say some horrendous things like you know obviously the Marcus Rashford stuff that happened down yeah. uh, Ian Wright as well uh, recently it's just um, I just don't know what goes through people's people's heads uh, when they do stuff like that um, and, and yeah I mean I just hope that UEFA find a wee bit of a backbone um, and deal with it properly unfortunately um, you know, with that, the banner that the Slavia Prague supporters uh, yeah. put up, you know, obviously absolutely horrendous. And, you know, even their chairman came out and, and said that as well after much prompting, probably. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just, I, I don't see what, I, I don't see what UEFA are actually going to do about this. I don't know what they can do about it. It's easy to sit here and say, yeah, chuck Slavia Prague out. Um, which would be the sense, which would be the normal thing to do, but I don't know if they can actually do that. That is the problem, um, and you know, it all comes back to uh, clubs taking a bit of responsibility as well. I think um, to give credit to both Celtic and Rangers over the last uh, few years, certainly uh, a concerted effort has been made to try and tackle sectarianism and bigotry within their support. I think, um, you know, much more so than there was 20 years ago, 25 mm-hmm. years ago. It's, it is different days. and um, But then you go on social media and, you and, you know, I follow Celtic and Rangers supporters and you see what they come out with on a, on a um, like on a derby day like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult. It really is a difficult one. Um, I, I don't have the answers. Um, I'm not a politician, but I think it's something that needs to be... Um, it needs to be a far bigger conversation and yeah, stuff like that happens last week it's just horrendous and um, it was great to see what Scott Brown did on, on Sunday as well And that was the good side of it, you obviously as you just mentioned you see the ugly side on social media um, and it's like people that come out and say yeah, I stand behind Glenn Kamara and then in the next instance they're, they're having a go at someone's religion or they're having a yeah. go at someone else and it's like look, yeah. you can't have any of this what about any, you can't have any of this oh, well, I stand for one thing but not another. You have to eradicate it completely. And that's the problem, I think, in the Scottish society is we need to adapt as a country. Um, And all the best wishes, actually, to uh, Marvin Bartley, who's now taking this on. I mean, he's got a voice. He's on BBC Sports Sound. He obviously still plays. And it'll be interesting to see what he tries to bring into Scottish football to stop this. Teams have stopped taking the knee. Do you think that's the right decision? Well, uh, asking me the easy questions. <laughs> uh, to, to be honest, like, it's difficult. It's you know we are two white guys sitting here talking yeah. about something that doesn't affect us. Um, so you know I'm always a wee bit wary of um, trying to put across what I think the right idea is when you know it, it, it's, it's not something that I've had to deal with um, because. I am white and, you know, I'm a male, you know, I've got all these privileges that um, that other people don't. And I think that the taking the knee, if, yeah, I think obviously the Scotland team aren't taking the knee mm-hmm. uh, uh, this week. And I think if it's, it's for the players, it's for the black players to decide um, how they want to approach this, I think. I think that's, it's not for it's not for us. It's not for anyone else to say what we should and shouldn't do. It's, it's how they would like to take a stand and uh, for us to get to, buy, to to get behind it. I think. Yeah, that was the the kind of thoughts that um, I saw 
definitely between my friends group, my family, um, and people that I follow on social media was whatever, um, and especially with the, the kind of derby game at the weekend there, whatever Glenn Kamara wanted to do, that's what Celtic had to do to, yep. to show their solidarity with him. And that's what they've done. So I think you're right, it comes down to the individual, what they believe in, and it's up to us, um, as you said, as in the privileged position to support their actions. Um, and I think that was great to see Scottish football doing that at the weekend. Um, so, yeah, as you said, we, we stand against this. We've brought this up on the Insomniac several times, and it just seems to be every week you see a news story where it's a, a player from a, a BEME background that gets abuse. Um, and it's not just players... I spoke with Anthony Joseph from Sky Sports, one of the very few BAME um, journalists in UK football, and he he told me about times that he got it on a regular basis as well. Yeah. Um, so it's something we do have to eradicate from football, and hopefully the first steps are being made now, and maybe in a couple of years' time we'll, we'll look back on this and just remember how terrible it was. So, um, yeah, just wanted to kind of put that out there. But moving on to the topic that you do see uh, across the bottom of your screen, we are going to be talking about the return of international football. <laughs> either Fans either love or hate international football. Stephen, you're on the love side, aren't you? Yeah, I love uh, the international break. Um, it's just something different. And, you know, I've followed Scotland for years and years, managed to go to a few away matches as well um, you know I really look forward to the international break even when we were rubbish um, so it's even so better right up until about two years ago then <laughs> <laughs> um, you know but I think it's, uh, it's it takes on a different slant now we have the Euros to look forward to in the summer and you know these three matches are important they're, they're big important matches and you know we want to be regularly qualifying for tournaments and the group that we're in we've got a decent chance like you know they're, they're decent teams Austria and Denmark but you know I would fancy us at home to take stuff off them and you know if results go our way elsewhere um, we've got a decent chance of at least getting into the playoffs I think so um, yeah it's important that we we kick off a, a positive result against Austria at home uh, on Thursday tomorrow night and it was a bit of a I wouldn't say um, a bombshell as such but it was a bit of a surprise that Austria were now able to pick the Bundesliga players that seemed to be the thing that Scotland fans were getting most excited about was Austria were coming in with almost a B team it was the game that kicked off the group stage um, it was a big chance to get three points on the board. Do you think that offers a different perspective now that they can call on guys like David Alaba into the side? Well, obviously it's going to make it more difficult, yeah. But you know, I'd, I'd rather I'd, I'd rather play Austria at full strength and beat them. I mean, that's that's what I would want. Um, you know, and also uh, remember the Czech Republic game that we played last year, and it was the Czech Republic B team yeah. we struggled past them. So there's no guarantees with Scotland that even if we're playing a weakened team, um, that it's going to be any easier. So listen, we just need to take what is in front of us and you know prepare for uh, the best Austria side that, that that they can put out, and you know hopefully. We're strong at home, um, and you know Steve Clark has a certain way of playing. It's not very pretty, but it does get results, and really solid. I know the, the couple of games after we call. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Did you know that yearly Medicaid renewals will start again soon? This means millions of people who were enrolled in Medicaid during the pandemic may no longer be eligible for coverage. If this may impact you, the good news is you have options. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield can help answer your questions so you can find an affordable health plan for you and your family. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Anthem Health Plans, Inc. Clyde, uh, you know, weren't as great, but mm-hmm. you know, they, they still weren't terrible performances. We just probably didn't get the rub of the green that we did against Serbia. And we didn't yeah. play that was what we did against Serbia. But I think... Um, you know, as, as I said before, Austria have some decent players, but but so do we. We, mm-hmm. we have some decent players who are playing at the, the top level, uh, and there's no reason why we can't go into these games uh, looking for all three points, especially because it's at Hamden as well. It's just unfortunate that the, the fans can't be there to see it. Yeah, and we are live at the minute on Facebook, on YouTube and on Periscope and that's where Barca Boy finds us saying the best part of international football is seeing young players develop through the ranks. Now, the one person that's kind of drawn a lot of attention over this international period is the return of Zlatan Ibrahimovic to Sweden. Now, he's not exactly young, although you'll probably say he is at 39 years old. He retired originally in 2016. Sweden faced Georgia in their first group stage game Um Tomorrow night it is actually 116 games, 62 goals. What is it for Zlatan that makes him want to come back? Is he wanting that final crack at a World Cup? Do you think he could actually win it for Sweden? I think uh, I think it's just he probably feels within himself like it's different. Like players are playing to a much older age and look after themselves so much better. I mean, you look at the nick of Ronaldo, and he's, what, 35, 36, or whatever he is now. Mm -hmm. He's in absolutely prime condition almost. Zlatan's game was never about uh, pace. It was never about getting in behind. You know, he he was a big, strong guy. He didn't have much pace to lose, really. And the fact that he's in such great shape, he probably thinks that he can come back and still be comfortably Sweden's best striker, which, you know, I'm not I'm not an expert on Swedish football, but uh, I would imagine that Ibrahimovic is still the best that they've got. So, you know, they're probably happy to have him back as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's got, I think it's 16 goals in 21 games for Milan. Now, when you're scoring goals at that kind of level, yeah, you can definitely do it on the international stage, especially against a team like Georgia. Um, yeah. I'd be surprised if he doesn't add to that tally tomorrow night. Um, and then... You know, Zlatan will be Zlatan. He'll go on and proclaim how he's the best person in the world and he'll be linked with moves to Barcelona and Real Madrid in the summer. That's just the way it goes. Probably, yeah. I didn't realise that he'd uh, been having such a good season at Milan as well. Um, but, you know, that's incredible at 39 years old. And, yeah, he's a, he's a phenomenal talent. And, yeah, I mean, if he was Scottish, I would want him in the, I'd want him in the squad <laughs> with that way. Uh, I th- we did a story, um, I think it was about two months ago now, about a player in Japan, uh, King Kazu, who's still playing at 52 years old. I think that's Zlatan's goal. I think Zlatan wants carried off the park. Like, yeah. that's him. Um, yeah. And he'll still say he's the best in the world at likes of 45, 46. And if he keeps scoring that amount of goals, who's going to argue against him? 
I know, totally. And as I say, like players can play longer now because people, uh, you know, the game's far more professional than what it was even 20, 30 years ago. And as I said, you know, Ronaldo looks like he's going to go on forever as well. And, you know, Zlatan could probably go to about the age of 15 as well. I mean, he's just a, an absolute specimen. I can't believe we're going to be talking about Zlatan in 10 years' time. That's going to be a quite interesting <laughs> thought. Well, what we're, we are going to do is we're going to take a look at Scotland, England, Wales and Northern Ireland over the next seven days, the, the teams that they're going to face. I'll give you my predictions of how many points they're going to pick up and Stephen will do the same. Um, first of all, let's take a look at Scotland and the inclusion of Che Adams into the side. Did Scotland just become more appealing because there was a place at stake in the European squad or do you think this, this was always something that was kind of vying towards? Um, probably, yeah, if we're being honest. Um, I think that... Uh, that's definitely a carrot to be dangled in front of your face. He's not going to play for England, so um, uh, I think he's, is it his granddad that's Scottish or something like that. Is yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and you know he was raised in England. Uh, I think he's. His mum or dad, um, uh, I think his dad maybe is from the Caribbean or something like that. So it's no wonder he didn't feel Scottish, um, <laughs> because why would he? Um, so, listen, I, I think that it's great. Um, I've seen quite a few people mooring their chops off about it on social media. Um, these sort of weird, uh, thoroughbred, Scottish-only players. Um, you know, th- th- this, is, this isn't the 1990s. Um, we, we aren't... In a, we, we live in a different world now, and I, I think that that sort of outlook on things is a bit weird, to be perfectly honest with you, and uh, people like that need to grow up. Um, I'm very much behind Che Adams. Anyone who pulls on uh, the Scotland jersey uh, get, gets my full support. And if he wants to come in and score the winner against England in the Euros, then he's an absolute hero as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I, I totally understand that thought. I just don't want us to go down the route of someone's drank a can of iron brew and suddenly gets a, a call up to Scotland. The way we were almost going... Um, under the sort of Betty Vokes era um, and a couple of years after that when guys like Craig McHale-Smith were getting calls up, uh, called up to the squad um, but no, Che Adams, you, at least you're attracting someone of a premiership talent this time, I think Craig McHale-Smith was still playing in League One for Peterborough at the time that, yeah. he was definitely doing someone in the Scottish Premiership out of that chance in the squad and speaking about players in the Scottish pre- uh, Premiership um, someone that you know um, having seen him play for Dunfermline Kevin Nisbet gets a call up are you excited to see what he can do? Do you think he'll get a chance? Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Kevin's a really nice guy. He's had a really tough year. His uh, dad passed away earlier on this year, uh, and you might have seen some of the interviews that he's done recently. And, uh, you know, Kevin Nisbet is going to be a very, very, very good striker. Whether it's this time, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but um, I remember speaking to somebody uh, in the game probably about year and a half ago and I was talking to talking to him about Kevin Nisbet and he was like he is because I, I was comparing him and Shankland basically um, and he was like Nisbet's a far better player than Shankland and at that time mm-hmm. I, well, you, you kind of would say that but um, it's it's actually proven to be true he's a far far better player than Shankland and I like Shankland he's a total poacher but Nisbet's got so much more of his game he's strong he's quick both feet good in the air can hold the ball up really well he's clever he makes good runs um, I think that he will be away in the summer um, I think he'll leave Hibs definitely 
Um, but he will leave them with a massive uh, transfer fee, especially if he can get in that Euro squad as well. That'll add a few pounds. And obviously, as a Dunfermline fan, uh, I know there's a hefty sell-on clause coming to the So, bigger the better as far as I'm concerned. Is, but, uh, he's a lovely guy, and I hope he gets his chance. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's a goal scorer. He's... he's, he's, he's he just scores goals, so that's something that we've we've needed and we need going forward. So he's definitely somebody that I have been calling for to be in the squad for mm-hmm. you know, certainly the last sort of six months or so, and I think that it's good that he's got his chance now. I mean, you take a look at the attacking options for Scotland. Obviously, we just spoke about Che Adams, Kevin Nisbet, Lon Shankland, and the other name that's on there. And uh, we'll we'll try and keep this one brief. Ollie McBurney, is he good enough to play for Scotland? Uh, no, he's not. I, I don't think he's very good at football, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I've watched football for a long time and I, I just don't see what he, what he adds. I've seen him for Sheffield United. I've seen him for Scotland. I guess he's a sort of backup for Dykes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably why he's in the squad. Uh, and, you know, he's been in the squad consistently and I think Clark does have a bit of loyalty to his players. Um, but no, I don't think he's good enough. It'll be interesting to see what he does next season when Sheffield United get relegated. He might, you know, kick on in the championship. You never know. But he just looks like he's he looks like he's just ran on the park and he's never played football before sometimes. I, I just I, I don't get it. I don't get why anyone would spend £20 million on Ollie Burnley. I, I'm asking a serious question to everyone that's watching here. Who would score more goals in the Premiership? Ali Dia or Ollie <laughs> McBurney? My money's on Dia. I think so. Yeah, I think so. He's just, he's, I guess, and he doesn't help himself with the, you know, he got caught with the comments saying that he, he hates international football, hates going away with Scotland and that. Well, fine, don't come then. Like, I don't care. Um, and that, that obviously turns people against him as well. And yeah, he's young and he'll say stupid stuff. Um, so, like, I, I get that. Um, and I'm not haranguing him for that. I'm haranguing him for the fact that his performances for Scotland, and he's had plenty of opportunities as well now, um, have just not been good enough. Yeah, and that, that's backed up here by Anthony Patrick Aitken, <laughs> who basically just says he's mince. That, he that is, sums it up. He is mince. He is mince. And you know, like, I, I remember I was uh, covering Super Scoreboard, I think it was uh, 2019, and it was when the Internationals were on, uh, Gordon was off. And uh, I think it was Alex Ray was speaking, and he was going through the striking options just like you were doing just now. Yeah, yeah. He said Ollie McBurney, and I sort of like made a face, and he was like, oh, well, you can make that face, but you know, he's playing with shit. And I'm like, he's just he's just not very good. Like he's, he's, he, he can't win the ball in the air. He's not very good at holding it up. His link-up play is terrible, and he can't score. So, like, I mean, I, I don't see what he adds to the party, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, and let's just clear this up because this is an argument we see on social media all the time. It's not because he's a Rangers fan. He's just terrible oh. at football. Yes. He's terrible. It's, it's nothing to do with that. And, you know, like I, until a few months ago, I wasn't even aware that he supported Rangers. And, and this was long before I made my judgment on uh, on Ollie McBurney. So, yeah, I, he's just he's just not very good. And he... Uh, if we go into the if something horrible happens to London Dykes and he gets an injury, I know he's not been in great form for QPR, but he did score at the weekend. Um, but you know, if something bad happens to Dykes and he picks up an injury or Che Adams or whatever, the thought of going into the Euros with Holly McBurney 
as our striker that absolutely fills me with dread. We'll just have to nil-nil our way to the final. <laughs> I mean, when you look at the position of Sheffield United in the league table, it doesn't surprise you that they've got both Ollie McBurney and Ollie Burke in that squad. That's yeah, that's all you yeah. need to say. Um, so, I mean, just before we take a look at the games that's coming up, the one surprise exclusion for me was David Turnbull. Do you think he will be still in Steve Clark's thoughts ahead of the Euros because he is having a fantastic season? 100%. I think that Clark knows what David Turnbull can do. I think if you look at this squad, there's a lot of players like this, but he wants to take a look at... Um, he, he, I think he knows what Turnbull will do and I fully expect that David Turnbull will be in the squad come the summer. It's unfortunate for Turnbull that we have a very strong middle of the park, you know. Yeah. That's, that's the unfortunate thing. I know Turnbull's been playing a wee bit more advanced for Celtic and he's been having a far better season than what Ryan Christie has. Um, but, you know, Christie's one of these players and it probably is testament to uh, Brendan Rodgers and the, the job that he did at Celtic when he got players like James Forrest, who was out of contract, remember, when mm-hmm. Brendan Rodgers came in at Celtic. Um, he got James Forrest, he got Ryan Christie back from Aberdeen, uh, and he got these guys really playing very, very well. Um, yeah. And, you know, if, if Clark can get the best out of Christie, there's a really, really good player in there. I know he's not showing it for Celtic this season. Um, but yeah, in terms of Turnbull, um, I, I think he'll be in the squad. If, if he continues uh, to play like what he has for Celtic, there's no way that he can't be in the squad. Um, so I, I think that um, you know guys like John Fleck are probably looking over their shoulders a wee bit and, and worrying a wee bit. Um, but if you look at the squad, there's a, there's a few players that he probably just wants to take a look at. And I think he knows that Turnbull's good enough and could slot in there fairly easily. Yeah, I think when you said Fleck, I think um, McLean as well, he'll also be looking over his shoulder. Um, The thing is with McLean, as I mentioned earlier on, I think Clark does have a bit of loyalty and I think McLean will be there because he likes McLean. He brings him on later on in a game just to see it out. Um, He's sensible, uh, keeps the ball really well, McLean, uh, and obviously scored uh, in both penalty shootouts as well, so I can trust him when it comes to that. So I think think McLean will be there, um, but I think Fleck is probably on a shooting peg. So if we take a look at the three games Scotland have this week, they're at home to Austria tomorrow night, away to Israel, and then at home to the Faroes. Starting with Austria, how many points do you think we'll pick up? Three. I think we'll win. Um, Solid. I think we'll win, and I think we have to win because if you look at the last campaign, you know, that's what let us down. Now, Russia are obviously better than us, uh, even though I think they're they're seeded maybe below us uh, now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Russia are a strong team and our failure to get anywhere close to Russia was really disappointing. We obviously took the lead against them at Hamden and then totally collapsed after that. And we got a bit of a doing over there. Our home games against the teams that are going to be our rivals are so important. So that means that we need to take three points um, against Austria at home. Otherwise, we need to go to Austria and win across there. So we, yeah. we need to beat them at some point. And I think we've got a better chance of doing it. And uh, yeah, I fancy us on Thursday night, tomorrow night. I'm expecting Scotland to go out and have a typical Scotland performance, give their all, but probably just come up short. I'm going with one point against Austria. Um, so we move on to Israel, and it feels as if we've played Israel for like the 957th time in the last three years. Um, we always seem to be drawn against them. I think they're in our Nations League group again this year as well, which is yeah. incredible. Yeah, I actually found out that before... 
the last two years, we'd only ever played them in a qualification group once, and that was back in the 80s. Now yeah. I think we're just permanently stuck to them. It's like our conjoined twins. Um, away over in Tel Aviv, I'm, I'm predicting we pick up a point. I don't think we'll make get all three. Yeah, I think if we can uh, if we can take a point there, that's pretty decent. Three points would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that'll be a draw as well because you know they beat us last time across there. They beat us the time before when McLeish was in charge, even though that was one of their worst performances up there with the Kazakhstan one. Um, mm-hmm. So I think uh, I think a point would be pretty decent because again, I think Israel are capable of taking points off of other teams. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I would take a point just now if you offered me. And then finishing up with the Pharaohs at home now. We've we've been here with the Pharaohs before, the two each draw over there. Um, but it's at Hamden, uh, you can't see anything else than a comfortable Scottish win. I'm looking for a similar type performance to the performance we gave against San Marino, against Gibraltar. That's the sort of level I think the Pharaohs are at. I think we've got to put about three or four past them at least. Yeah, I think we'll comfortably beat the Pharaohs. Um, I think they are a wee bit better than the likes of San Marino and, and teams like that. Um, I think they might even be in the fifth pot as opposed to the sixth pot. Um, so uh, I'm not sure about that, though. Um, but, you know, I think they've had a few decent results at home over the last wee while for Pharaoh, Pharaohese standards. Um, but, yeah, we should be sweeping aside Pharaohs. If we need, if we want to qualify for major tournaments, we need to take care of of the fails at home and I'm pretty sure that we'll do that so I'm going for us to pick up five points and you've got us to pick up seven yes if we pick up five or seven is that a good enough start for this campaign five no seven yes okay so let's hope that you're right then (laughs) (laughs) Um, taking a look at England's group I mean England just always seem to have a a pretty easy group they're going to be playing their, their hardest opposition in the group in Poland at home in the last game First of all, they're at home to San Marino. Uh, that's th- As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Three points in the bag, that one, isn't it? Unfortunately, you would have to say that is uh, three points comfortable in the bag uh, for England. I wouldn't imagine they would have too many bother or too much bother against San Marino, I should say, um, as much as I would love it. Um, but I, I can't see that happening. So, yeah, three points to England there. Yeah, and I mean, this is games that as a Scotland fan, it's worth keeping an eye on because there's no other friendly set up between now and the Euros. So, this will be the kind of the chance to see where England are at their weakest uh, before we face them at uh, um, Wembley. They go away to Albania after that. Again, I think that's three points in the bag there. Yeah, I mean, I think it will be tougher than San Marino at home, obviously, but I think, uh, I think, yeah, England over the past, uh, you know, four, four or five tournaments now are just a qualifying machine and they just uh, they churn out the results when it comes to qualifying. So, yeah, I would imagine that'll be three points as well. 
and they wrap up at home to Poland. I, I'm being uh, quite optimistic here. I think Poland could get something there. Yeah, Poland are obviously a decent side. Lewandowski up front, uh, always a always a danger. And uh, yeah, I think Poland obviously love playing England as well. There is a wee bit of history there, so I think um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd fancy the Poles for a point there. That's probably an optimistic hat on though, because I mean, again, it wouldn't surprise me if England, you know, comfortably sweep them aside as well. Yeah, I agree with you there. So seven points, potentially out of nine, they'll qualify. It's like the Eurovision, they're almost guaranteed a direct entry straight into the finals. Um, Yeah, I think they'll have no problem there. What will be interesting is to see who they pick in their squad, um, look at where their weaknesses are, um, and see what we can maybe exploit when we get down to Hamden in the summer. Yeah, I think that... I don't think England are that good, to be perfectly honest with you. I think they're obviously better than us. Um, but you know, you're looking at your top nations. You look at France. You look at uh, you know, um, you know, not so much Germany now, but Italy were fantastic in the in the qualifying stages. You've got um, Holland as well, who were brilliant, and you know, you, you've got that in Portugal, who of course are the are the, the holders. Um, you've got that sort of top tier nations, I think, and England are below that. You, see, yep. you saw that in the World Cup. They got they got to the semi-finals, which was obviously great. For them, and um, they they played Croatia, and Croatia mopped them up in the yep. semi-finals, and that was after Croatia having two really difficult matches before that as well. Um, I, I just think England lack. Uh, I think defensively they don't look very good. I'm not sold on like guys like Rice in the midfield as well. I think going forward, obviously Sterling, Kane are mm-hmm. class acts, but again. Are they as good as what England think they are? I'm not entirely sure. For me, it's always been Harry Maguire. I think Harry Maguire's the guy that you can get at. For me, his transfer fee was calculated by the uh, the size of his forehead. Um, <laughs> it wasn't on his ability. I don't think he's very good at all. Um, so, as you said, defensively, I think that you can have a go at them. We've seen what happened when we played them at Hamden a couple of years ago. It'll be a one-off game, pretty much. Anything can happen, and let's see what happens over the next few days um, now this is something that's always exciting is when a couple of the home nations are drawn in the same group and we have that here um, with Wales and Northern Ireland both in a group with Belgium, Czech Republic and Italy that, that's a group of death that um, Wales start away to Belgium as much as they're the Gareth Bale machine I just can't see them picking anything up there now Belgium I'll sweep them aside and uh, yeah that is a that's a horrible horrible group um, I think that uh, you know and I think Northern Ireland are on a downwards trajectory as well not only because they've got Barraclough as their manager um, but because a lot of their players are getting to the end of their career yep. um, and you know they've had a, an amazing run over the past two or three uh, tournaments and qualifying tournaments obviously nearly qualified for the World Cup they'll be by Switzerland in the playoffs uh, under Michael O'Neill but I think they're coming to the end and again you know there's only so much that Wales can rely on Bale um, although he does look like he can be bothered when he plays for Wales so I guess that's yeah. something uh, they've got a, a friendly against Mexico. I'm not even going to count that. I reckon they'll get maybe a draw out that game. That'll be one that they'll test a few players in um, before wrapping up with a home tie against the Czech Republic. And that's the kind of game that Wales will probably pick up the three points in, I'd say. Yeah, they've got every chance. I think Wales are, you know, you know, I, like I, I struggle to... Uh, 
shovel to my support behind any of the home nations apart from Scotland, to be yeah. honest with you. I'd rather they all got pumped and then qualify apart from us. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's one of those games that they might grind out at home, a bail special from 45 yards or something. And again, yeah, Czech Republic, yes, it'll be interesting to see them because obviously they're another group uh, ahead of the Euros as well. Yeah, and for anyone that is tuning in from Northern Ireland, you're facing Italy away. You've got a home friendly against the USA, then a home tie against uh, Belgium. I think that's three defeats. I'm, I'm really sorry to say. <laughs> I just wanted to turn up. I just didn't right. bother. Didn't Maybe bother. take up a new sport over the next week. Um, yeah, we're sorry about that. So, who's going to qualify out the four home nations? Can Scotland and England do it? I think England will qualify. I think we have a chance. Um, Because as I say, I think our group is pretty decent. You've got Denmark as the top seeds, which weren't the top seeds that you were wanting. Even though they're a decent side, they're not going to blow your socks off like a Belgium or anything like that. And then you've got um, then you've got uh, Austria. And it's, it's going to come down to the Austria games, which is why I think tomorrow night is so important that we need to pick up three points um, and yeah it's going, to, it's going to come down to that it's going to be close if we can get into the playoffs we've got a chance as you've seen against Serbia we went across to Serbia and we're, I mean people forget we were by far the better team that night as well yeah, we pulled them off the uh, and you, they got the equaliser in the last minute or whenever it was But so we are capable of going and beating teams of that level and you know if we get a good draw in the playoffs and we, we we meet a Serbia or a team of that ilk, you know, that, I think that's the best we can hope for. I do think that maybe winning the sections will be a bit of a stretch for us. And it's a good segue talking about Serbia because Highland Paddy's been coming in wanting us to talk about the Republic of Ireland. And if you take a look at, in fact, you said the man with the face here. That's a, that's a nice description for you, Stephen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we take a look at Ireland's group. They face Azerbaijan, Luxembourg. Portugal and Serbia. Now, I think if, if you finish top, you're through. If you finish second, you're in the playoffs. Yeah. Normally, you'd say it's a shootout between Ireland and Serbia, but I think they will probably struggle. They've been on a bit of a downward trajectory over the last few years. They have, and obviously uh, Stephen Kenny, former Dunfermline manager, now in charge as well. Um, it's weird with Stephen Kenny because when he was in charge of Dunfermline, it's probably one of the best times and one some of my fondest memories of supporting Dunfermline because we'd been honking the entire season. We appointed Kenny. We went, the honking run continued. And then we went on this amazing run towards the end of the season where we won something like seven out of eight matches and gave us a, ch- gave us a chance of staying up. And the momentum that we managed to create and that he created during that time was phenomenal. And um, we... You know, it went down to the last day of the season. We got relegated up at Inverness, so that was a fun bus journey back down the road. Um, but uh, we managed to get to the cup final that season as well. We beat Hibs in the semi-final after a replay, and then Celtic won the final. Jean Perry Dumbe uh, scoring the goal, <laughs> which is not a pub question if I've ever heard one. But <laughs> you know, I think that that time under Stephen Kenny was actually 
amazing. It was like it was uh, the momentum was fantastic. We I remember we played St Mirren on a Monday night and it was live on Satanta, and it was one of the last games at Love Street as well. Mm-hmm. So it was rammed. There must have been about eleven thousand, twelve thousand. But Fellman brought through something like three thousand fans on a Monday night uh, to St Mirren, and we won one 0 Tam McManus scored, and. Um, it was it was one of these matches that I just always remember. I was in sixth year at school. We got the bus through, and yeah, it was just it was a great time. However, the following season after we got relegated, we got beat in consecutive weeks by Stull and Albion, Livingston and Hamilton, and it was three, four, and five now, and that was zero for Stephen Kenny. So it didn't end well for him at Dunfermline. There was problems behind the scenes and stuff at that point as well, but. Um, I, I can only think that I don't think he's quite cut out for international management, given what I've seen with my own eyes at Dunfermline. Well, Highland Paddy, I'm sure you'll be watching closely tonight as Ireland are playing Serbia. Um, you can let us know next week if Stephen's prediction has came true and we'll be able to see if Stephen Kenny's the man to lead the Republic forward to the Euros. Uh, but moving on, um, a big thank you to everyone who has tuned in and is watching us um, right now. Uh, a this is a part of the show that we do with all the guests that come on here um, and this is the Dream Football Dinner Party now it gets towards lunchtime, it's getting there, the, the bellies are rumbling so <laughs> the first thing I have to ask is what are you going to put out for your guests to come over? I was thinking about this last night because I do, I do actually like cooking, um, when I moved through to Glasgow about 10 years ago I couldn't cook um, but I moved into a flat myself and uh, my first wage was so terrible and I was so skint um, that I couldn't go out on weekends, especially once I got to the end of the month. So I just used to, I basically taught myself to cook. Um, so I managed to get like a few good dishes done, like curries, great, yep. LA, bolognese, stuff like that. Um, but I'd probably make some form of Italian dish. So I do an amazing uh, sort of prawn uh, linguine. Um, so I think that would be my main dish. Do you want starters and pudding as well? Well, I mean, Alison Conroy, when she was on a couple of weeks ago, set the bar having the three course. So it might just be a Clyde thing that you do the three courses. I'm okay with that. Listen, I I love my food um, and I am always up for a three course. So uh, starter, um, you know, if we're keeping on the Italian theme, I suppose, uh, make a mean bruschetta as well. Brilliant. So uh, and for a pudding, it would have to be have to be tiramisu, just uh, the absolute the god of puddings. Um, so that's my three courses. In terms of my four guests, so I had to clarify with you the other night because uh, I asked if it was uh, football guests only. Um, so I'm going to stick with football guests. Okay. And there are a few ones that. Um, so first of all, um, I've always been a massive fan of. Um, Italian football I've fallen away over the past couple of years because it's on Premier Sports and quite frankly I pay enough uh, <laughs> to watch uh, football so um, it's alright the police aren't listening in we'll sort you out with an <laughs> we'll, we'll get you that sorted <laughs> so uh, I've fallen away in the past couple of years but I'm a total I come from the generation of Saturday morning Football Italia Gazetta with James Richardson yep. um, so my first guest would be James Richardson from Football Italia. Um, I think a really, really interesting guy. Um, and he's popped up on BT Sport. He does the, the goal show, the Champions League goal show, of course. Fantastic show. Fantastic show. It's, it's, um, he's a fantastic presenter. And he's just got a really, really good way and good 
delivery. Like, I, I really admire um, uh, him as a TV presenter, and uh, I know he does the podcast and stuff as well, mm-hmm. the, the Total Football podcast and stuff like that. So, um, I think he also does World's Strongest Man, which, <laughs> which is an absolute just that's a Christmas classic every single Christmas. Yep. There is the world's strongest man on. So I think James, just to get his stories from Italian, working with Gaza back in the day, um, absolutely brilliant. And um, the stuff about world's strongest man, just just great. I think he's a really, really interesting guy. Um, secondly, I'm going to indulge myself uh, and go with David Marshall, the hero of Scotland uh, over the last six months. Uh, I don't. I've seen interviews with David Marshall. I don't think he's a particularly interesting guy to listen to. But <laughs> I think, again, he's he's had such an interesting career. If you think back to when he made his debut for Celtic, which I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was against Barcelona. Yep. Uh, and then I think the following match was a match against Rangers, and he was man of the match in, in, in both games. Played for so long down south, played in the Premier League with Hull, uh, played with Cardiff as well, obviously. And all of a sudden, almost a bit from nowhere, because he was a bit like, yeah, David Marshall's there, he's a decent goalkeeper, but he's getting on about. He has been propelled to this national hero status um, for saving the penalty against Serba and and Mitrovic. So I think um, David Marshall has to be in there. Uh, Again, I think I'd be able to get some interesting stories David Marshall, so uh, he is guest number two. Uh, keeping with the Italian theme, um, the third person I would like to have as my dinner guest would be Carlo Ancelotti, because mm-hmm. I think he is the coolest manager on the planet. I just think he, he just oozes coolness. Um, you know, he's at Everton. I, I don't I don't care much for, for Premier League football, um, but I do really like Carlo Ancelotti. And I just think um, some of the stories that uh, I've, I've read about him over the years, about the players, just absolutely loving him. Like when he was at Chelsea, when he was at uh, Bayern Munich as well. I know, although when he went into Bayern Munich, I did read the stories about his training just being so rubbish compared with Pep's because he was just like, oh, just play five sides and we'll just we'll call it quits for lunch. You know that, that's the sort of manager that I would like to play for, basically. Um, and I think uh, you know when he was at Chelsea as well, and he managed to he managed to win the league, and then was sacked the following season in true yeah. Chelsea style. Um, I think they probably as long along with the fans being disappointed. I think the Italian restaurants in London, their profits took a nosedive because I think he was eating them out of house and home. So, uh, again, and, and that's that's just his managerial career, obviously. He's fantastic. Uh, playing cl- uh, career as well. Um, we, we, would be really interesting to get into. And again, indulge me, uh, as a Dunfermline fan, uh, I think there's only one person that I would like to uh, round off my dinner guest list, and that would be Jock Steen, um, who obviously took over Dunfermline in 1961, kept us up, um, kept us from relegation, and uh, then went on to, to win the Scottish Cup, um, which is just uh, incredible, and uh, set us off on our most successful period in our history in the 60s, um, where we should have won the league in 1965, got to the cup final, got beat by Celtic as well, could have had a double. Uh, and then, of course, in 1968, won the Scottish Cup uh, against Hearts. Um, so, yeah, Jockstein was the catalyst for that. And then he went on to have a no-bad career after Dunfermline as well, you could say. He'd done a couple of things here and there. Um, <laughs> and he picked up the old European Cup or something like that. But, uh, he did all right. He did all right. Aye, 
Yeah. But he always be remembered for his time at Dunfermline, I'm sure. Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a really interesting quartet you've got there. Um, you've got the sort of journalistic side of James Richardson, the, the managerial brains of Carlo Ancelotti and Jock Steen. That would be such an interesting one. I can just see them facing each other, talking away about it the whole time. And David Marshall just kind of sitting there, just, just enjoying things. Me and David Marshall just enjoying it. That's that's what I'm bringing them along for, basically. I'm just I'm just picturing you sitting next to him like that. So, what was going through your head when you when you saved the penalty? And is that come on, Stephen? You've asked me this fifty times already. <laughs> I know. Just tell me again. But <laughs> I mean, it's just one of these things. I'm just I'm, I'm so I can't put into words how happy I was that night. Even though um, the next day I was severely hungover and I was on the radio, and you know Gary was asking me just you know some of your feelings, and I'm just like. I'm just really happy. You know, I, I can't I can't put it any more simply than that. I was so happy. And David Marshall is the reason for that. And um, it is a three-course meal of bruschetta, pl- prawn linguine and tiramisu. And Anthony Patrick Aitken comes back in saying, a broro's tricking on your Instagram. Are you posting food pics? Oh, aye. aye I've got, I love the food pics on my Instagram. At Stephen Mill, Stephen Mill, V-M-I-L-L. You know, you follow. And it's... It's uh, my my girlfriend's actually a very good uh, cook and chef and baker actually, um, which is dangerous for me because I, I would just eat everything. So um, I need to I need to discipline myself. But uh, yeah, I love um, the roast chicken. Roast chicken on a Sunday is almost a, a go to every single week. Oh, definitely! I love a Sunday roast. I love it. <laughs> Um, it's actually a good segue as we kind of you're just touching on your, your girlfriend there we'll talk about the female game um, we are kind of running tight on time so we'll give this a quick uh, talk through it is the Women's Super League down south they've just signed a new deal where basically 53 games a season will be shown across BBC and Sky it's worth £7 million a year and Sky Pro- Sports have promised to give it the full Sky Sports treatment, which probably means that they'll have Chris Boyd as part of the commentary team somewhere um, <laughs> and it'll jump about channels depending on what else is to be shown. Yeah. But, I mean, taking the jokes out of it, fantastic for the, the women's game. Um, it's only going to help the development going forward. Will you try and catch some of the games that will be on the free-to-air TV? Probably not, um, if I'm being honest. As I say, I'm not a huge fan of English football. Um, it doesn't doesn't really do it for me and uh, you know the women's game I like to see Scotland do well obviously it was great to see them at the um, at the major tournament a couple of years ago that was fantastic but you know I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm a, a massive supporter of uh, women's football not that I'm against it in any way of course and um, as you say it's fantastic for the game down south um, that there's going to be more money uh, being put into uh, one thing that it does put into perspective as well um, seven eight million pounds a year um, and then you look at the, the TV deal in Scotland for the championship which is worth £350,000 a season um, you know and the, the championship in Scotland is obviously of far more interest um, mm-hmm. because it will get more viewers it gets more attendance Um I think that's a damning indictment uh, on the SPFL and how they sell our game, to be perfectly honest with you. If that's the paltry deal that they managed to come up with compared to uh, what the Women's League down south has managed to uh, negotiate. Yeah, and it's not even a a kind of insult to the women's game. It's an insult to the the SPFL and the fact that they've not been able to promote the the game the way that the the FA down south have managed to do it for the women's game. And it's fantastic for them. Um, 
I mean, if there's, I'd probably say if there's nothing else on TV, I'll, I'll give it a watch. Um, and it, it's great. I'm sure for a lot of young females out there, they'll be able to develop new role models and we'll be able to bring the game forward. Well, um, but, you're totally right. That's the thing. Giving it more coverage and giving it more airtime is only going to be a good thing and it will encourage more young girls to get into the game. And that's what it's all about because women's football will not improve unless there are more people taking part in it and standards will constantly get uh, driven up. Because you've got to remember that, you know, <laughs> the men's game has a 50 or 60 year head start on the on the women's game um, because it was banned in the UK effectively. Uh, for so long so um, yeah it's good to see it getting uh, coverage and uh, yeah the, the, the more young girls uh, that can get involved in the in the game the better I suppose yeah and we're hoping to have someone on from the WSL over the next few weeks once the season wraps up um, one of the Scotland national team members so look out for that over the next couple of weeks on the Football Insomniac but Stephen it's been fantastic having you on and we can't finish up without taking a look back at your career so far um, you mentioned you've got the uh, the role at Dunfermline Athletic what is it that you actually do? So basically if there's any big uh, signing or any big announcement or anything like that uh, they get me in to interview them basically that's, uh, that's basically what it is uh, I also host the Player of the Year awards every year um, so yeah that's, that's a bit of fun as well and you know I do it um, because Nothing excites me more than going to talk to the Dunfermline manager, you know, quite frankly. Uh, no offence, Colin, but uh, I think... Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, still, I'm still a supporter uh, of Dunfermline and uh, I've interviewed countless people on the radio, uh, f- famous faces uh, from Ed Sheeran to Andy Murray, and I, I still get more nervous going to speak to the Dunfermline manager than I do any of them. So, um, no, it's, it's just one of those things that, that that's just the way my mind works. And so how did that actually come about then? How did you get involved at Dunfermline? Uh, they got they obviously... Um, they had me on the, the breakfast show at Capital and they had me talking about Dunfermline and stuff like that and they just said, you want to come in for a meeting and see if there's anything we can do together? Uh, and then I would go in and I would do the weekly press conference that would go out on social media uh, just to add a little bit of, um, I guess, professionalism to the, to the output of the club because, I mean, what a lot of people don't realise, I think, with clubs the size of Dunfermline, um, you know, they only have three or four full-time members of staff outside mm-hmm. the football, but um, you know, I, and I was reading recently that I think it's in Motherwell. I've got twenty odd, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, what do they do? Um, <laughs> you know, um, because the guys at Dunfermline work so hard, and I'm going in, and it's on a voluntary basis, and um, I do it, and I do it because I, I want to, and I love doing it. Um, I, ju- I just wanted to go and help out, and sort of add my expertise into into what they, they already had there. And you mentioned about the the role on the Capital Breakfast Show. That's where a lot of people will probably have first heard of you. You got that coming straight out of university. That's unheard of these days. How did that come about? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the yes and no to that question because it was straight out of university. But um, for the four years I was at university, I was working at a radio station as well. Um, so basically by the time I graduated, I had four years experience, um, which was something I, I did off one back. I went to work at Kingdom FM, which is the local radio station in Fife, local commercial radio station. They were great. Um, let me do the sports reports. Then I got a wee bit on the breakfast show there. 
um, you know, started reading the news, just barely did everything. Um, and that set me up for when I, I basically just applied for a job at Capital to be the, mm-hmm. um, to be the breakfast newsreader, got it. And then it just sort of all blossomed from there. And that was seven and a half years I did the breakfast show for, which was amazing. Um, But I'm really happy not to be getting up in the middle of the night anymore. Well, that was the bit I was just about to bring up. So obviously we knew about your time at Kingdom, but that kind of comes part and parcel with the the time that you spent at university. Um, University of Stirling, wasn't it, that you graduated from? Um, For There's a lot of kind of young journalists that, that tune in um, and there's a couple of them here on a state of mind themselves. What would you encourage them to do if they were wanting to get into that sort of journalist, sports journalist um, kind of thing? Because you obviously got the breakthrough at Kingdom FM, but was that difficult to come about, or was it just a case of get the name out there and eventually someone will kind of bring you in? I started off doing stuff for their street team, so they're sort of a PR team effectively, and I hated it. Uh, so I went and spoke to the news editor, and just said, listen, I'm about to begin a degree in journalism and sport at university. Um, is there anything that you, like, can I do anything? Can I help out in any way? And she was like, we need somebody to do the sports news. That was it. And, and like I said, I wish it was more complicated than that. Um, but yeah, it's just putting yourself out there. And unfortunately, that was 2007 that that happened. Radio has changed considerably since then, and there are far fewer opportunities to do that. But there has been the massive rise in guys like yourself um, and, the, and the state of mind um, sort of output. Uh, you've got, obviously, the club's internal TV channels and media, which is a chance to get your, your hand in there. Um, so go to your local club, offer to help out offer to, you know, do the interview after the match or in the press conference or whatever it is. And, you know, you'll make loads of mistakes. That's the thing as well. That's the best piece of advice. I I still make mistakes on a daily basis. Anyone who hears me on the radio hears me make mistakes on a daily basis. So, like, once you get over the fact that you're going to make mistakes, um, things become a lot easier and then you don't worry about it so much and therefore you make fewer mistakes. Um, so get out there, get into club media, uh, get into guys like yourself and, you know, still try local radio stations, of course, um, but things are a little bit different from when I, when I was coming through. It's, it, it was, you know, one of these things that just sort of happened for me. I do remember talking to Rob McLean once mm-hmm. and he was uh, originally at North Sound uh, in Aberdeen, that's how he started out. He was a journalist. He read the news like what I did, and uh, this was back in I think it was nineteen eighty one, nineteen eighty two. And the commentator they used to have all the Aberdeen games on uh, on North Sound. They used to do the live commentaries. The commentator had left to go to the BBC or something, so they had a meeting, and they were like, "Does anyone fancy being the main commentator for the Aberdeen games next season?" And Rob McLean was the only person to put his hand up, so he got the job. <laughs> and I was like, that, that's that's mental. Like, you know, you just put your hand up and you just get a job. Um, and, you know, that's even more wild uh, back in the day, what it was like. Uh, and he's, that season, Aberdeen won the Cup of Nurse Cup. So, there you go. That, that makes it just shows you, if you don't ask, you don't get. That's the, the kind of motto here. Um and just just before we wrap up, because we've we've now been on just over an hour now, I feel as if it's flew by. But you did seven years on the Capital Breakfast Show, 
um, working alongside Des Clark and Amy Irons. They then moved on to, to Clyde One, um, and you're working across the Bower Network in Scotland as well on the big Saturday football show alongside you and Cameron. What's you like to work alongside? You know, I get asked this more than any other question. What is Ewan Cameron like? And I would love to sit here and tell you that he's a horrible person and he's a pain in the backside. And he has a wee bit of pain in the backside sometimes. But um, he's genuinely one of the nicest guys that I've ever met. And I couldn't have been more wrong about him um, because and before I met him, I just thought, oh, God, that guy's a fud. You know, and just like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, I was totally like that. And I've, I've I've spoken to him about this, and I'm like, I couldn't have got you more wrong. Like, if there's before all of this, if we were having drinks at the radio station or whatever, I would seek out Ewan to go and speak to him because he's good chat. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got so many stories, and you know, he's just a lovely, lovely guy. And you know, I think uh, he was obviously really successful with the real football phone-in back in the mm-hmm. day awards um, a Ewan and Ruffy which was huge and I think he sees this as uh, you know the next step he, he missed that a wee bit and to get Ewan on board uh, was fantastic and then obviously I'm working during the week uh, with Gary Spence as well who was at Capital before so it's a sort of Capital reunited on the, on drive time on uh, Clyde Forth and all the rest of the stations so it's just I'm really enjoying myself now and it's uh, yeah it's just uh, you know it's uh, as long as I can keep doing this, it will save me getting a real job. That's what I'm <laughs> So one final question before we wrap up then today. Now, obviously, you've got the show with, uh, with Ewan. You're working with Gary on drive time. What's the what's the goal? What do you want to do over the next couple of years? What what do you see? Do you want to have like your own show across the Bower Network? Do you want to... What, what's the kind of goal? I'm a big believer in strength in numbers. And, uh, you know, Gary would say the same thing, and I'm sure Ewan would say the same thing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually covering solo this week for Gary because he's off. Uh, he, he's been unwell. So <clears throat> it's, the show isn't the same without Gary. Um, and when I'm off, the show isn't the same without me. So it's, it's one of these things where if you work in tandem, it's, you know, I, I think you get a better show. Uh, I think two people is better than one. It's, it's actually it's one of the, it's quite difficult to to host a radio show yourself solo because you're almost talking to yourself mm-hmm. and it's one of these weird things that you um, that you have to get your head around. But you know I can do it and it's it's good. But um, it's uh, you know working with both Gary and working with you and it's fantastic. As for the next few years, if somebody told me in ten years' time if I'd be still on drive time with Gary and still doing the Saturday football show with you and I would snap your hand off for it because I'm really enjoying it at the moment and it's it's great to get a lie in every day doing the drive (laughs) show. It's so huge, you know, it's it's a syndicated show that goes across the whole of Scotland, it's coast to coast and, uh, you know, we want to make it the best show in the country and uh, make it the best show in the country. That's the that's the aim, and the same with the, the Saturday football show as well. We're not on Clyde, uh, but we're on the rest of the network. And um, yeah, we want to make it as big as possible. Do some just have, just have, have some fun and have a laugh. That's the most important thing. And I think we've managed to do that today. And um, it's been fantastic having you on the Football Insomniac. Um, and thank you to everyone who else has been watching us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope. You'll be able to watch it again on YouTube. Please give us a subscribe. We've just actually overtaken Aberdeen Football Club um, for the amount of subscriptions on YouTube, which is incredible. We only really started this about a year ago. Um, so give us a like and subscribe on YouTube. 
Stephen, it's been amazing having you on today. Next week, I'm going to be joined by the world's youngest international football coach. Now, if you haven't heard about this before, check it out. He coached the Micronesian side, Pompey. And that's all I'm going to tell you about. So check, go and check that out. Uh, join us next Wednesday when I'll be joined um, by the Pompey national manager. Uh, but Stephen, check him out on Drive Time across the Bower Network um, from 4 o'clock today. You'll find him on Facebook and on Instagram. We'll be back next Wednesday. A Celtic State of Mind starts at 12.30 on this channel. But until then, take care and stay safe. live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.